1: Hello Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron, your host here on the show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of, of the, the Enneagram. Enneagram,
0: Anthony Skinner. Ian Cron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing well. You, uh, I think you just finished StoryBrand, did you not? Yes, I did. Can we talk about that? You've been out? Yeah. Another corporate gig. Yeah. Talking
1: to a, a team. Yeah. Adul- Amazing people.
0: Don Miller himself. And JJ
1: Peterson, yeah. who was just recently on the who podcast. Was just we in, just recorded yeah. a show with him. Yep. Amazing human beings. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm telling you, man, that outfit is legit. Yeah. Like they are. they, oh my they gosh. are amazing. Yep. Like the work that they do around branding and marketing, and incredibly innovative. Yeah. Really remarkably. I mean, it's just a, a you can tell Don's a three with a four, right? Mm-hmm. He's got oh, that. Yeah. So he's got that drive and the ambition of a three. He's got the artist's mind. Oh
0: man. Absolutely.
1: Finding metaphor and bringing
0: it into the business context. Pretty cool. Yes. And if you haven't been to a story brand conference, you definitely should go. Right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's just do a free ad. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Story brand. Yes. Right. If you're looking to figure out how to brand your company, get your message out there in a way that's coherent and winsome and winning. Yes. And clear. Yeah, to have clarity around your message mm-hmm. and what you want to do and accomplish in the world from your inside to your outside, your website to your team, everywhere, right? Don Miller, Story He's Brand, the guy, yeah. Go to their website, man, because I'm telling you,
0: they're the bomb. But absolutely. So I've done a lot now of corporate. What? Go, no, I was going to say that's the free ad. That's the. Fr- <laughs> <laughs> oh, and <laughs> the
1: actual ad for today's yeah, episode yeah. is from. <laughs>
0: Michael Kusick. And? Restoring, Restoring the, the soul.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Anthony, we, yes. I, I've had a lot of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I could have sort of condensed Which I'm thankful it. for. Yes. I'm because sure you had it all. There, you know, many people are. Yeah. Many people are grateful that uh, I've had some serious m- mental tuning. Um, <laughs> But some people can't do what I've done, which is like spread therapy out over 40 years. Right. Uh, they Sometimes they need it faster and in a hurry. Right. And who do they call when that happens? Michael Kuzik. And? He picks up the phone. He does indeed. That's right. Michael Kuzik, friend for 30 years, one of the best therapists I know. And he knows that people oftentimes can't wait years or, or months, right, right, of meeting with a therapist week to week to week. Uh, for 50-minute sessions, right? Sometimes you're on fire. Sometimes you're on fire <laughs> That's right. and you need intensive blocks. You yes. need a week or two weeks of half-day block intensive counseling sessions. And it isn't just for people who are on fire. It can just be people who are just super eager and ready to go, right? Right. right. And they want to do a deep dive and they want to get really right down to the root of what's happening in their lives, right? right? Yeah. Now, if you fall into that category, you need to call Michael Cusick uh, at 303-932-9777. That is nueve. You didn't think I could do that, did you? I was wondering that at the very end. Yeah, no, I brought it home. You had me I? hold my breath. That's right. Or you can go to restoringthesoul.com and find out more about them, or go to restoringthesoul.com forward slash typology and get your free, free PDF,
0: PDF of five ways Unaddressed trauma may be affecting, affecting your, your relationship.
1: Oh, wow. There you go. Long time sponsor, apparently. <laughs> all right. So I've done all these corporate gigs. One of my favorite of all times. Yes. It It is up there in the Pantheon. It, it may be top two or three of my favorite corporate gigs of all time. Yes. Was with a company called Boosterthon. Okay, and I'm going to let these guys explain to you what Boosterthon is. Okay, because they'll do it in in a way that I obviously that I cannot. Yeah, right. Um, but I have never in my life, seriously, had more fun with a group of people than I had with these folks. Wow, like I had like what seventy or eighty people were there. Uh, and, their, and their spouses. And uh, from the moment I hit the ground, I knew that I was surrounded by more sevens than I will be for the rest <laughs> of my life. That's I've great. never, yeah, it was like landing in a room full of tiggers everywhere. <laughs> Joy was breaking out. I thought everybody was maybe like the tops of their head were gonna come off and confetti was gonna fly out periodically. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. That's great. So let me uh, introduce everybody to yeah. my friends, Stan and Chris. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us on, Ian. Hi, Ian. Yeah. One of the reasons I loved this thing, Anthony, this, uh, this event was Chris is a seven. He's the founder of BoosterThon. Mm-hmm. Stan is the CFO, and he's a six. All right. And the dynamic between them was so cool. I said, we got to get these guys on the show, man, because- it was killer and, and and actually exemplified the power mm. and the potential the enneagram has
0: wow that's cool for helping
1: companies understand leadership yeah. and how people work together and how different types see the world and they complement each other and how when they know the enneagram like the difference it can make mm. for their teams and for their whole their whole company mm-hmm. so let's jump to it chris first of all man i'm really glad you're here Because like when you walked in the room, I could turn the lights off. It was like already lit (laughs) up. That's the thing with sevens, man. It's really great. Fired up. Tell everybody what Boosterthon is.
2: So uh, back in college, I saw the need for a non-product sale fundraiser. Right. So schools had done some of their own fun runs before. Mm -hmm. So, but they do it themselves, a lot of work. Uh, I came up with the idea of let's let's see if we can serve schools. My mom was a teacher for 35 years. I grew up in an educator's home. Right. How can we host a non-fundraising feel fundraiser? Right. that does the work for them, that raises lots of money, but that also teaches character lessons to students. Right. So the Booster-Thon Fun Run was born. The word fun is in the name of our organization. <laughs> yes, it is. So, yes. Uh, wanted to make a difference, wanted to change the world. And uh, that was 17 years ago. And we currently now serve uh, about 3,500 schools, 3 million students. We've raised elementary schools have profited over 270 million. And we feel like we're just getting started. Got an amazing team. We love what we do. And it's missional and it's exciting.
1: Two hundred and seventy million dollars of wow. fun. Two hundred and seventy-two right.
3: million to be exact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: love it.
3: <laughs> That's my CFO. There
2: you go. <laughs>
1: you know, for a seven approximates, approximates are classic. just fine <laughs> yeah. for the seven, right? Yeah. Six is gonna hone in on it, man. Right. <laughs> so. Right? He wants to make sure that nobody like gets the numbers wrong, right? All right, now. You two guys have been together for how long? Eight, nine years as a team? Yep. All right, yep. so Tell me how that
3: happened. Um, Well, I was consulting at the time. Uh, My my wife, Ann, and I had had our own company, and um, I'd been consulting as a CFO for small companies, and uh, my son was a senior in high school, and I decided I wanted to get back full-time, seek my teeth into something meaningful and and do that, and I uh, met a mutual friend of Chris's um, and just sharing a story with him, and uh, I said, I'm looking to do this, and he goes, "I, I have a guy who's looking for a CFO. At the time, Booster was about a pretty small company at the time and had never had a full-time CFO. So uh, I called Chris up, and next thing I know, I'm working for Booster. And I was by far the oldest person there, and it was a great experience for me. The
2: wisest. We needed him. <laughs> so was coming out of the recession we're raising funds, we're helping schools. I had all things seven figured out. We're f- literally confetti and tunnels and wind feathers and kids are running and soundtracks. <laughs> I mean, I'm, this is what we do. We love right. it. And we were about to go out of business. And <laughs> <laughs> we had no business model. Right. And I knew that I needed someone that I could trust as a right-hand uh, man to me and a leader that, could, that we agreed in values, but that had a completely complementary skill set. I needed the opposite of me in skill, but someone that valued what I valued in terms of serving people and uh, giving life to people and having a positive outlook. Man, So I
1: found Stan the man. That's awesome. All right. So what I want to do is uh, learn about you two through the lens of each other. So tell me about sixes as you understand them as as a result of your relationship with Stan. Wow.
2: Stan, I think, is a very healthy, unique six. We're very aligned on values. Um, he's extremely optimistic. So while he is a risk preventer, he's not an opportunity preventer. And to me, mm. that's what did it. Uh, I mean, I, I did not want someone <laughs> risky and entrepreneurial like me, but at the time, Stan and his wife had started a business together. He's married to a seven, so that helps. He's had lots of years of experience of knowing one. So the fact that he kn- knew that risk and Taking chances and sales and growth is just part of it. He could anchor his skill set of how do we minimize risk and how we systematize and organize things, uh, sequence things. So that was what made it such a great fit. Uh, We've only learned for the last nine years how to work together better, how to appreciate the true gift. He knew that I hired his six, and that's what I needed because I didn't have any of it and still don't. Uh, But I knew that the end goal was the same. How do we get to the right destination to serve others, uh, but to do it in a way that was sustainable and not just fun.
1: <laughs> right. So so what do you most appreciate about working, as you, for you as a mm-hmm. seven, what's yep. the best thing, yep. or the thing you most appreciate about working with Stan as a six?
2: Stan has my back. Mm-hmm. He's loyal to not just the organization. He's so objective, he will tell me things and ways in which he disagrees with me if it's best for the organization uh and i know he's for me and my family and my wife and my kids and he has a holistic he's like he's a defender of chris and of booster uh in a way that everyone would say this is who i want you know defending me in my house or in the in the ring with me and so sense of loyalty that i love and it's it's a it's an emotional connection between us look we've been through nine years built a business come out of the recession and we're, st- we're still doing it. Right. Serving more and growing more and than ever before. How many employees are there? It's about 1,000.
1: That's a lot of fun runs, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. 1,000 employees. Yeah. How many would you have, honestly now, is it, so how many would you have if Stan wasn't with you? Oh, we'd be out of business today. I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's it's very close to true.
2: Yes. I mean, we, I think that's really important that people no, know that, right? No, it's 100%. True. I would have kept hitting the gas in potentially the wrong launched, uh, my gut reaction when the recession was happening was to grow faster and let's do more. And in some ways that might be correct, but in the context of where we were, we had to grow smarter and be strategic. Where do we grow? When do we grow? How do we grow? How do you deploy capital, resources, allocation? And Stan's the one that helped us prioritize all of that. So you know, maybe we'd be in business, but we'd be a quarter of our size or less. So we've grown 800% in eight years, in nine years since Stan's been with us. So
1: Wow. That's an intense story. Mm -hmm. You have a thousand employees and really, I mean, you were actually killing a stereotype that I'm really, really glad about, which is that people tend to think of sixes as being, well, actually you were laughing earlier, right? (laughs) Because your wife Ann was saying that, that she used to call you the Ruiner. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, a six, I, I rained on
3: her parade. Yeah. Uh, any idea? Uh, so I don't know about that.
1: Okay, but hold on a second. So people would maybe, as a stereotype, think Sixes would bring an organization down or make con- constrict it constricted or confine it. But what you just communicated was that that without him, it would not have grown. That's correct. He helped. It, it, he
2: did constrict us at the right time and in the right ways. Right. And in doing so, like pruning, right, it constricted some bad decisions. It allowed me to focus. I mean, I'm living in 10 years out and everything's kind of important. How do I sequence it? So Stan helped me think through. If, we could, if there's only a limited amount of resources, we got to really prioritize and focus. So I, I learned the value of focus mm-hmm. in that season by watching Stan and us making these decisions together.
0: Wow. So, oh, I love what you said when you came into the room where, you plan for adventure and Stan plans for misadventure. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing that. We do that all that's the time. True. True. I mean, I just think that's fantastic. It is.
1: I mean, this partnership to me is like, <gasps> like just mint yeah. for understanding um, the complementary mm-hmm. nature of personalities, yes. right? And when you know the Enneagram, man, it's like you can tune this in so much mm-hmm. faster. Just tune yeah. it in. So before I move on to Stan, how has the Enneagram helped you guys in business?
2: Oh man. Well, since you did our training, it is it the conversation existed, but having you come and passing out the books to everybody, uh, and then when you do it again in a few months and the entire organization, not just the leadership team, experiences it. It's giving us language that allows us to appreciate all the positive God-given attributes of each individual mm. and say they're None of us are as healthy as we could be, but with the help, of the collective community, we could become even more healthy. And when health exists, trust exists, and therefore success for the organization and or our clients exist. I mean, virtuous cycles begin when you know yourself and know others, uh, and you value the diversity of the way we're all uniquely made. And I think you just help pour fuel on that fight. We've always had that underlying belief. You gave us more language to use. Uh, you allowed us to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously point out some areas of weakness. And, you know, as much as anything, uh, I think you've helped us personally discover that, you know, besides the 8, 10, 12-hour days, when we're home with our family or relationships, friends, the healthiest ber- version of ourselves can come alive and bring mm. health to communities, not just work. So,
1: mm. Continue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's your book. I know you invented the Enneagram. The Enneagram. That's uh, right. No, you, I mean, we had heard of it. In some ways, for years, but the way you packaged and popularized in a way Mm. that an organization can take a bite and and put it into our leader development program and our HR team in such a way that it's become a conversation. Mm. And because we championed it from the top and said, "This is knowing yourself is great, wherever you are on the spectrum, healthy, unhealthy. Knowing that it's about the direction, not perfection, and what trajectory we're going in." And we're all collectively building the culture we want to bring out the best in each other. Right. We value culture as much as any organization. I think that's, we achieve success for our clients because we have incredible team members right. because of the culture that they all, thousands of them uniquely add to. Mm. And knowing who they are, valuing one another, seeing the best in each other, just creates really dynamic conversations that we grow into and make us better.
1: So, so it's so interesting. One of the things that I, I sort of gauge is a sign of health in an organization and uh, and I, this is legit right if i if this is missing, then I worry about the company I'm working with if there's no laughter yep that makes sure. me very concerned mm. if i if I'm in a company and there's no laughter i'm i'm a, I'm like uh oh, something's wrong in here mm. right yeah. or if it's very muted, you know what I mean like and i make I make a you know Uh, I bake into my calculations that different companies attract different kinds of people and like, you know, so it's not like, but if there's no sense of joy in the work or in the culture, then I know we've got, um, a broken company. Right. Right. And I'm telling you, man, you're like the happiest, most (laughs) fun company I've ever worked with in my entire life. So if if that is any gauge, man, your company is going to grow a lot faster than it has because there's so much joy. I'm sure you're true. I'd love to see your uh your employee surveys, man, because yep. I bet you they they probably all say the same They're thing
2: really good at at an, an all time
1: high really yep, yep, it's awesome Stan now we're talking about he just spoke about you, all right? right so talk about your relationship with Chris through the eyes of a six and your experience of him at at booster well
3: when I started the company uh, I'm married to a seven um uh, but when I started. With the company, I, I was I was just amazed at Chris's uh, enthusiasm and his optimism, and uh, the the way that's what's carried the day for the company. Uh, without Chris here, he sets the tone for the culture. And as I moved into this position, I I wanted I I, I tried to balance my need to go to the safe spot as a six would do, versus not styming or putting the brakes on or to, or stopping this uh, this booster train that we had going. So it was it was a little bit uh, a feeling out when I started with a company because Chris is so dynamic. Chris could convince you. I'll I give you an example uh, as as a six when I was doing in in the interview process on my fiftieth birthday. Chris <laughs> convinced me to jump off a like a forty foot cliff into water, something I never would have done otherwise. And so Chris is so persuasive. I want to be there um, as a six, not to to stomp on that, but to go along with it. And so as I took the job, I, I realized that I didn't need to put the brakes on, but Chris is so dynamic and his ideas that have carried the company forward, I didn't want to put those out either. So it's, it, was, it was a dance for me to, for us to gain trust with each other so that if I tapped the brakes, he trusted that. And if he said, we need to go forward with this, I need to trust that. So as we move, we, we've grown into this really solid relationship over the last eight and a half years where uh, we know each other really well and we, the level of trust is as high as it's ever been. And and Chris is so dynamic with with that, I, I trust his judgment uh, with uh, everything that we put forward. So it's it's been a remarkable experience for me. It's been great.
1: Man. You know, it's so funny you were just about enthusiasm. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but you, you know where the word you know what the word enthusiasm means in yep. the original language, right? In Theos. In Theos. Did did we have this conversation? No. So it's such a beautiful idea of in God. Right? Yep. And, and so mm. um, I think enthusiasm, right, is a word we don't actually take seriously enough, mm. right? It's our
2: company, it's value number two. So everywhere in our office is the word enthusiasm. What are the
1: values of the company? Just Integrity,
2: think, Yeah. enthusiasm, yeah. leadership, results, and community.
1: Wow. Anthony. Yes. That's going to be ours now. <laughs> uh, All we're, five we're, of those things. There's, there's just only two of us, though. That's <laughs> you could have in.
2: We're about to update them. Oh, for 17 are? years. We're going to refresh them this coming July, the day before you do our training, actually. Really? So I'm not ready to reveal them to the world yet because I haven't revealed them to our organization, but been thinking wow. about it for two years. Words that better describe, more descriptive and more distinctive of who we actually are. Those are good words that I just listed. I see them too often in organizations that I don't think have our definition of them. So we're going to be uh, unveiling them in a few months. So... Mm.
1: What are you most excited about right now?
2: The future. Besides
1: everything. (laughs) The future. (laughs) You didn't even see. You didn't even blink. I love it. You didn't even blink. The The
2: future. So as soon as I got your book, what, a year ago, and I, I literally, as soon as I read this sentence, I said, I'm calling Ian and seeing if he can speak to our company. When you describe the seven and one of your phrases is, the future is so exciting, I can hardly wait for it to get here. I'm like, that is me. He knows me. I've never met this man. He must do my company training has to happen.
1: That is all right. Well, I'm glad you read that sentence. Yes. I'm glad well, you read that sentence. I'm
2: excited about lots of things in life. I have a wonderful, I'm grateful for so many things, uh, joyful life from my wife to kids to family, community, company. But I think about and most excited about what's coming. Providing mm. opportunity for my team, how we can serve our clients more. I'm thinking about the future all the time.
1: Right. One of the things that seven struggle with is the ability to stay in the present moment, right? And I think yes. you and I had this conversation yes. right when we were together. Like, um, and it is important to think about the future, obviously. We're human beings, you know, that's why we're still here. Uh, evolution would not have been kind to us if we hadn't had the ability to think forwardly, right? Do you see the value and how do you stay in the present moment instead of having your head always mm. in the future?
2: <clears throat> wow. It's my theme of the year. I'm seven with an eight wing, so I got my goal is be present. That is, I look at it every day. It's my goal for the year. I'm married to a nine who is amazingly in the moment. And is here in the room. She's in the room and I'm looking at her. Uh, And our marriage counts in the last couple years has been about how can I stay in the moment? So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm aware of it. I don't want to lose my strength of being in the future, but I at the same time need to be as present as possible, at least to those that... Love me the most, and um, that I make an impact on. So mm-hmm. I'm aware of it, but it is a challenge. My mind is always going to the future—ten right. years from now, or five years from now, or what we're doing for dinner tonight.
1: Because you always got to remember, right? Like, uh, if you, you know, where is God? Well, here now. Yep. You know, is God in the future? Yeah, of course. But mm-hmm. God has the conveniently has the the advantage of not <laughs> being part of the time continuum. But, but the place that we're most apt to bump into god is right now that's right uh, in this moment and sometimes we, we miss out on god if we live either in the past like mm-hmm. fours do like me we live too much in the past
0: mm-hmm.
1: right or like a seven has the opposite problem but the same result which is missing out on what god's doing right now right in well, the moment
2: a tactic that i did 2 months ago and we'll do again next month and going to try to make it part of the rhythm of my life is to take a almost full day away of what the word that probably scares me the most solitude Mm. (laughs) but as a hyperactive extroverted seven seven uh the first hour of is kind of so i went away to the mountains of north carolina by myself for uh 22 hours about a month ago and came back with clarity refreshment my soul felt nourished my mind was clear I mean, so good that I told my wife, Lindy, I think I should do this once a month. She said, that's probably unrealistic, but a few times a year. <laughs> but you were enthusiastic. And I, about. Was, I, was in the, I was in the moment more, and I was clearer about the future more. So it took an effort to do it, suggested right. probably by you. But it's important. I came back healthier than when I left, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hard, though. Hard for sevens yeah. to settle in and just be, just learn how to be. Right? Very hard. So hard. Sixes live in the future too, but it's a different kind of future, isn't yep, it, Stan? it is.
3: <laughs> it's a uh, worst case scenario future. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the future is not all bright. Uh, the future is not all full of fun and adventure. It has all kinds of potential n- negative possibilities. Has that been a theme in your life of, of, of sort of, of scanning the horizon, of sort of keeping an eye out yeah. for what could go wrong? Is that yeah, a, I, part I, uh, of your personality? I, I like to think of it.
3: Jim Collins calls it productive paranoia. And that's, oh, that's uh, good. you know, he, I think it's uh, great by choice. He mentions that. And it's one of my favorite books and productive paranoia really strikes me because it talks about it in the business sense. He, he talks about companies being 10 X companies, you know, excelling. And one of the things he, he talks about it in the context of companies, you know, uh, creating the war chest of cash to making sure you can weather the recession or the downturn in the economy. And that, that speaks to me as the CFO. And I love that term. That's, that's what I, I kind of think of myself. Uh, in that regard, as um, uh, you know, productive paranoia, and it's something that you know I've worked with Chris on, uh, and he and I have worked well with that when with Booster, and uh, I think we're in a good spot there.
1: So my son is a seven. This is so funny. First of all, I want you to know that congratulations. That was worth. <laughs> What's that? Congratulations on having a fun <laughs> seven son. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> first off, productive paranoia is like worth the whole price of this day yes. for for a six. Is understanding yep. that they're the value yes. of being able to forecast right. problems. Yeah. And it can be productive. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a bummer. It mm-hmm. can actually be an incredible value if the six is healthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Because productive paranoia is different than just muted pessimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh yeah. it doesn't have to be that, right? I love productive paranoia. Listen to me, sixes, you should all be productively paranoid. We need productively paranoid people <laughs> in the world. But my son, right? So you're productively paranoid. I talk to my son, who's a seven. I say, he suffers from pro <laughs> And pro is the delusional belief that everyone is plotting the next fun thing to do for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pro-noia, right? That's great. It's, it's true, right? Yeah. It's like the world is conspiring something fun. It's f- All of us sevens are. That's right. You
3: know, I think- uh, sevens have FOMO and sixes have JOMO, joy of missing out.
1: Is that I, right? I think so,
0: That's
1: yeah. That's hilarious. FOMO and JOMO. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling the name of a podcast coming up. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling one. FOMO and JOMO. I think that will be good. I think that will be all right. <laughs> He's over here going, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would be all right. So here's a question. <clears throat> now let's get down to some personal stuff here because you guys are dear friends, right? Yeah. What do you know about Stan or that you wish he knew about himself and believed? Wow. Wow. I'm... That's a good question. Yeah.
2: Um, man, Stan has so much life experience and wisdom, which is why one of the reasons I hired him. He's 20 mm-hmm. years older than me, he's 20 years more organizational business wisdom. So he can reflect on good times and bad times and a, diff- a, ver- a variety of organizations he's worked in, a variety of different people who he's worked with. Stan is the most loved team member we have. Mm. And he brushes that off. And oh, no, I don't you know, I'm slightly older than the average age of a you know, team member. But he's not only is he loved, he's cool. He is cool and loved because he just owns who he is. He's, he's wise. He's like a father figure, literally a father figure to so many. Stan's office Three days a week has someone in it for lunch uh, that's learning about, hey, tell me about my personal finances. How should I budget? I'm thinking about starting a family. Um, What do you think? Give me some marriage advice because they know he's trusted, they know he's wise, uh, and he's reluctant to give himself credit for how wise he is.
3: Hmm. Yes, I am reluctant. How do you feel when, how did you just feel when he said that? I don't like the spotlight. And I, yes, and I, I'm grateful for that. But I, you know, I, I, I'm, I love it that you say that and, but I, I'm uncomfortable with, of, uh, of that spotlight.
1: Why is that? I don't know. So, th- I don't know. <clears throat> so actually that's out of the literature, actually, what you, that answer that you just gave. Oftentimes sixes don't like the spotlight because the spotlight attracts attention. And sometimes sixes get, they like recognition, hmm. but not too much. Yep. Because, you know, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. <laughs> so it's like, give me some, but not too much, you know? So there's a little bit of that sort of, you know, that kind of could endanger, put me in a place where, you know, my safety and security get thrown at risk if I stick out, you know? So right. sometimes the, are you guys resonating with that? Or I, I'm talking to wives here for you, those you can't see me, Lindy and Anne are in the room. I mean, I think that's true of sixes, you know? So right now let's, let's, let's reverse the question. What uh, what do you know about Chris that you wish he knew about himself that he believed about himself but but doesn't?
3: I um I don't know if Chris believes this about himself, but it would surpri- I think it would surprise Chris to know that he he's invested in a lot of people's lives and more. And I don't know if Lindy would agree with this, but Chris listens to what I say. He's he comes into my office and looks at me, and he's not anywhere else. And you know what I know of a seven, and what I know of ENFPs, Chris is engaged. And he, he wants to know what's going on with my life. He wants to know what's going on with my son. He's in the present uh, for me. And he when I've got an important news to deliver to him about Booster, he's there. And he listens and he respects it. And uh, a lot of times sevens, I don't think, do that. They're thinking about the next thing. They're thinking mm-hmm. about what a, the next meeting they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if Chris knows that about himself, but he's, he's totally on board and engaged with me um,
1: uh, when I need for him to be. And it's, mm-hmm. I love that. That's, I think that's why we work so well together. That's good, because I think an unhealthy seven yeah. is, is distractible. And you can actually be talking to them in the moment and know they're not there. Yeah. That they right. are oh, already yeah. past this conversation. This right. conversation ended Absolutely. when it started. They were already on to thinking about what else was next. And I don't find that in Chris, uh, mm. especially
3: in important things. Uh, I know when to grab Chris and to get his attention and when not to. And, uh, and when I do, when I read that situation right, he's all in. Mm. Comes into
1: my office, shuts the door. We talk. It's awesome. So, I want to ask you guys something about business. Um, you have a thriving, successful business. It's growing. It serves, you know, it's serving a great function in the world. It's tapping into the best of who you both are as, as people. Uh, so, I'm, I'm really going to respect your read on this. Um, you know, tools like the Enneagram um, oftentimes aren't valued. In companies, until I, you know, oftentimes, like people, this is what I get a lot of times. Like, yeah, 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 it sounds woo-woo. It sounds a little therapeutic or a little bit too touchy-feely. We want something that is about the bottom line. You know, we want to bring somebody in that, you know, now that's happening less and less as companies realize that's that particular kind of worldview has risk, right, involved. So you've had this experience with the Enneagram uh, in the company. Yeah, apparently, it's had some rich and positive effect. Oh yeah, right. From now, Chris was talking about it from his. How do you see the 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 benefits of a company or a team knowing the enneagram? Like what? How does it help? I, I think
3: it's uh, it gives you a platform in which to start a conversation with someone, knowing what's important to them. Um, if I, you know, if I if I have people on my team who are different numbers, you know, different enneagram, I. I try to remember what it is that's important to them and how they see the world, because mm. that's with that you can you can motivate someone properly. If you right. don't know that, I don't think uh, you understand how to motivate somebody and, and get them to do their job. You want them to do.
1: So, if a guy came to you, a CEO of a company or another CFO, and said, "Hey, you know, we're thinking about having an Enneagram teacher like Ian or somebody else come in. Should we do it, and why? What would you say about the why part of it?" Uh, the why is because we
3: it creates the, you mentioned earlier, if you walk into a company that's not laughing and not have a lot of joy there, I think it's because people don't understand each other. They've Mm. got, they have got the agendas of the numbers and they, they're, they're not getting it. And I think, uh, the seminar that you gave to our company was phenomenal. And it was, in fact, it was life-changing for me, both personally and professionally to, 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 to see that because the Enneagram, does something different than a lot of the other personalities that you get to know yourself better. Mm. And the the thing that appeals to me is that it reveals your unhealthy version of yourself. Right. And I don't think a lot of other personality types do that. And, and that's, it's hard when I, when I took the Enneagram and I read about the six, I, I, my first response is I don't want to be this way, Mm. (laughs) but by the same token, understanding yourself and understanding your unhealthy self is hugely important. Right. That's, That's what I liked about it.
2: Yeah.
1: Same question. What do you think, yep. Chris?
2: Oh, I got lots of thoughts on this. So uh, we got into the Myers-Briggs a lot uh, yeah. a decade ago. If you walk right. in our office, everyone has their name, right. their title. So it say Stan Holcomb, CFO. Uh, year started. If you say years of the company, you got to keep updating it. So you say the year, year started. And then underneath it, there are Myers-Briggs. When you come in July, we will add to that uh, their Enneagram so it'll be on every. so i mean what we've been used to is oh there's the ISTJ with the door closed that means something different the ENFP's door is open right, or, right. so that's been the language enneagram right. we feel like complements that right. gives the i mean we're in at the at the end of the day especially in 2019 this is a war on talent like where where do we find the greatest people and then once they're on our team if we can get them on our team how can we attract them and how can we unleash their potential for their engagement, for their good and the organization's good? And the answer is culture. If you have the best culture, you will attract the best talent. And this is what I think about more than anything else. How can we have America's best uh, organizational culture? And you can't have a great work culture or a healthy culture if you don't have healthy people. right? And I mean, all we are, our culture is a thousand individuals with great unique gifts. And if I could do something to inspire, bring them together, create conversations they can grow into, move them in a direction for the common good, for their good, not only will it make them better personally, it will also improve the organization. It'll create a place that I want to work at, that I want my kids to work at one day. So, I mean, as a being a privately held organization, It's just my wife and I, we don't have to report to Wall Street. We have a very long view. We want to do this forever. Uh, I want an organization that I want to work at. She can come to. My kids might want to work at one day, which is filled with just remarkable people that are healthy. And the advantage, my vision has always been, even pre-booster, I want to change the world. Well, how do I do that in the lives of individuals? There's any way I can move the needle where their work environment can somehow affect their non-working hours, make Mm -hmm. them a better Husband or wife, or mm-hmm. father, mother, friend. Then, to me, that's a that's a home run.
1: Man, that's huge. I mean, that is huge. And partly, I mean, part of the reason I love that answer is is I find that the most uh, forward thinking, um, track record proven leaders are people who care about their people beyond the workplace. That they understand that they're not just leading; they're stewarding, mm. and that they have been entrusted with people's lives that work for them, you know, and that they, that people are more than producers, right? They're, they're not this, I mean, they bring their lives with them. They bring their heartaches, they bring their worries, they bring their anxieties, they bring their weaknesses, they bring their strengths, they bring their joys to work every day. And those have to be baked into the calculations, right? If you're going to create a great team, a great organization where people can grow into their fullness of their whole person, you know? I mean, yeah, a, and I'll
3: say that, it, it, and I've never worked in an organization more committed to that. And Chris leads that, and it's his passion, and it's that's what makes us Booster's secret sauce. It's, right. Well, that's why you're at a thousand people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that's incredible. why you're
1: growing, man. Because things that are unhealthy don't grow. Right. Like that. You know what I'm saying? They just don't. And uh, that's really, really powerful.
2: What's fun is not just see the growth of the organization or the growth of numbers of team members, but for me to see a team member that w- remember when they started when they were 22. And see him now at 26, and yep. think you've grown 20 years of wisdom in right. four years because you're surrounded by the right people in the right culture.
1: Right.
3: Awesome. I think the biggest testament to that are those team members who leave us for, and we we take pride in launching people right. uh, into launching our team members into you know bigger and better things in their life with something that fits better. And Chris almost weekly probably gets someone who reaches out to him and thanks him for their experience at Booster because most of our team members. This is their first job they've ever had, right. so it sets the bar pretty high, and they are more appreciative after booster um, than than most people who leave companies. It's wow. remarkable.
1: So, have you guys read Ray Dalio's book Principles? I no. Do you know, so you know uh, yeah.
2: Ray Dalio is the- Heard fr- of it. I've bought it. I've started, I've started the process.
1: <laughs> I think it's actually
2: on my counter. I don't think I've opened the page.
1: But I, yeah. Actually, I listened to it. And actually he reads it, which makes it kind of fun. you know. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Ray Dalio is the founder and the, the CEO of Bridgewater, which is the largest hedge fund in the world, right? Number one hedge fund in the world. He's a very quirky guy. Yeah. Um, but I'm fascinated with him. I'm fascinated with him. He spends, though, a couple of 10 pages talking about personality tests. Wow. And how they revolutionized his company. But here's where I want to get you on this, because I'm about to change your life. (laughs) Are you guys ready? We're ready. Let's hear it. So when you join the team at Bridgewater, you spend the first... There's a month training, right? And it's pretty intense, because this company's pretty intense. When you read about it, you'll be like, whoa, this is an intense company, Right. But they do put them through a battery of personality testing to make sure that, you know, not that they're going to, they just want to understand their their team and they want their team to understand each other. It's a little bit more than that, but let's just leave it there for the second. When they know it, right, they know, let's say, their Enneagram type or their Myers-Briggs type or whatever, they make a baseball card. I love it. Well, we need those. Chris, you made baseball cards. was like a decade a long, ago. A decade ago.
2: We need to do it again. It's been a while. Yeah. Okay,
1: no. So on the baseball card, they literally have the person in a baseball outfit oh, with a bat. Hold on a second. And under it is like their name, their Enneagram type, their Myers-Briggs type or whatever, their Colby, their disc, whatever yep, whatever yep. it is. done them all. And they're also in their team computer. When they're creating teams sometimes, they'll get their baseball cards out. Chris and I love baseball.
2: Stan, let's just make the executive <laughs> decision right now on the air. We're doing this next I'm all year. In. <laughs> Perfect. Can everybody baseball wear a Braves cards uniform? For everyone f- in
1: the every, for everyone in I the company. Yep. I love it. And then you got to make it available online. People can go through the baseball cards. You know, oh, this is great. And you my rate, sons are now into baseball
2: cards. cards. I'm coaching two baseball teams. This is it. It's yeah. The best idea. Thanks for having me on the show to give me the idea of baseball cards. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I love it. Get ready, Booster Nation, if you're listening to this. Oh
1: man, that is too funny. I had to, I had to bring up the baseball cards. Oh, I thought it was like, uh, I thought it was perfection. So what's in the future for Brewster? I want to know, like you, you've, you've alluded to some things, but what are the things that you're, i me ask you this. What are you most excited about? What are you most anxious about? Hmm. Like, what are you most excited about? What are you most anxious
2: I'll about? I'll probably find a way to dodge the anxious question or at least forget Don't worry, about I'll it hold as, as I'm answering this. I'm a four. I can hold your feet to uh, okay, that Yes, fire. you can. You did that. Um, Well, twofold. One big picture. I am excited about, over time, becoming the best culture in America that fuels people, inspires people, and ultimately changes the world and does so just as much through their personal lives as it does their professional lives. Um, What I'm excited professionally, tactically, there's 100,000 elementary schools in America. We're currently working with uh, not quite even 4,000, and we're the largest organization in our space. And that's not including middle schools, which we're piloting right now. Uh, we currently do fitness fundraisers. But I think what schools really want is not just meet the short-term need, but to, to have a problem solved. So we're gonna, we are in the middle of transforming ourselves from just a fundraising company to a school solutions provider. What mm-hmm. are the outsourced, non-academic things that your school does that we could do better or cheaper or in a way that's maybe more aligned with their missions. So we're exploring uh, not only moving from just three or 4,000 to 50, maybe every school in America one day. We've served schools, by the way, in 47 states. And the goal, I've made a challenge to the company, we want to hit all 50 by July. So next time I see you, hopefully we've served schools in all all 50 states, Uh, but middle schools. And then the technology platform we're developing, can can we serve organizations that are not schools and help them raise funds? with all of our uh, really unique proprietary software we've been building. Uh, and then at the same time, are there other solutions? Uh, a holiday shop, a uh, uh, spiritware. We have a booster spiritware. It's our spiritware company. Uh, and we print two and a half million T-shirts this year. And then we're getting more into promotional products. And so what are ways we could take the non-educational stuff away from school so they can focus on education
0: right.
1: uh,
2: and we can serve them? And in doing so, we're involved in the community and helping these schools in various ways and inspiring them to change the world, which they're mm-hmm. already doing.
1: Fantastic. What are you anxious about?
2: I'm living in my mind in 2025 right now. Uh, I'm anxious that we don't accomplish what I said at the rate in which I want to accomplish it. Mm. Uh, Because that would make you feel... uh, Like we're managing, like we're stalling out, like we're not serving others, like we're um, becoming average and not growing. When we don't have a growth mindset, we're not growing it just feels boring right and if it's boring for me if it's boring for our team we can't attract great talent it's just so you know i want to i want to hit the gas and grow faster and do more than we have done i think we've learned a lot and i think our foundation is a lot better than it was a decade ago Mm -hmm. so anxious about not accomplishing
1: so this is anthony this is the thing about sevens right like as I'm listening to him mm-hmm. I want to quit my job and go work for right it's exactly Inter- right internal totally. it's perfect 100% seriously I, I want it. I was like forget the Enneagram right I could right. I, want, I want to like go work for Booster man I want to don't go don't forget like, it on... take,
2: take all of who you are and bring it to Booster there's an opening in our HR department This is a formal offer mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's official uh, I don't need to check with anybody we
1: can bring the best a, of who you we are we create a sound room for the podcast yeah we will oh man wow it's starting, starting to feel better I like Atlanta <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with Atlanta. Great restaurants. No, it's really good. I like Atlanta. What? Um, so for you, uh, Stan, what are you most excited about now? What? Keep, what makes? What doesn't make you anxious? <laughs> <laughs> well, well,
3: when I hear this, and right. I know I know this is and this is booster. Right. Um, the challenge, and I'm speaking. Hopefully, I don't get in the weeds as a CFO here. But I I I look at it from a standpoint. And it's counterintuitive to most people who are non-financial that it takes cash to grow a company. You think growing a company creates more cash, but you got to spend more money to grow it. So one of the things I've been focused on my entire time at Booster is making sure that we have the capital structure, as you call it, as as one would call it, or a, a, a healthy balance sheet so that we can accomplish these goals. And the great, remarkable thing about Chris, as the owner of the company, he has put the vast majority of the earnings of booster back in to make that possible. Mm. And so what I think about when I hear that is that we're, we're in a good spot, um, to, to weather a downturn or, and, or to grow the company, uh, because of Chris's dedication to putting a lot of the money back into it. So, uh, my anxiety levels early on were do we have enough cash to accomplish it? And we have a seasonal business. So if you think about it, we're not, we're out of business in the summer because schools are closed. So we're not creating revenue. So when we hit that summer dip, I want to make sure we have enough cash. That's that's the kind of thing. Now I'm getting in the weeds with the finance stuff, but
1: someone's got to go there. Sorry. Man. So I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But are you seeing the secret sauce here, Anthony? Oh, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. so this is, um, a the paragon or a, a, a wonderful exemplar of what I'm talking to companies about all the time. Mm. This beautiful complementary sort of um, you, know, you bring together teams of people who see the world from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. They complement each other, uh, and because they understand how the other sees the world, they're able to optimize the relationship mm. to create a really, really great mm. culture yep. to, from yep. the top yeah. down. That's it. Yes. Right yep. now, if they didn't know their types. Right, right. The inefficiencies, Mm -hmm. the misunderstandings, Mm. the conflict, uh, the decision making—all of those things would be vastly. I mean, they would be impeded, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But when you have on board this kind of level of self-awareness and self-knowledge, and I know this relationship isn't perfect, you know, I mean, you know, no relationship is perfect, right? Right. But this company—I mean, I just tell you from a firsthand perspective booster is like honest to goodness and i've worked with lots of them uh, i mean arguably the healthiest company i've ever worked with mm. that's awesome honestly Are we recording awesome. keep that <laughs> on no no, I mean, no, no, no no no, no I'd but agree. I, i'm being utterly sincere um because uh you have this wonderful balance going on here of enthusiasm in the mm. best sense of the word not not mindless enthusiasm. Right, not, not childish enthusiasm, childlike enthusiasm, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is that ability for wonder and curiosity and yes we can and let's go I do know. it. You know what I mean? That's smart. I mean, I wish everyone had that, right? As adults. Uh, but we have all of that energy and juice, right? Married to wisdom and you know the, the ability to pause, to reflect. And so yeah. when you do that, you know the two of you are just really pretty, pretty powerful force. The yeah. two of you together is a lot more powerful than the, either mm-hmm. the two of you alone. Yeah. Right. The sum of your parts is greater yep. than yep. you know the either yep. one of you two. So I really, I mean, I just, uh, I actually kind of sit in awe watching the two of you together, and I felt this way when we were mm-hmm. uh, together last. Uh, it it really felt to me like there is something really special mm-hmm. going on here, uh, in this company, hmm. not just in its mission. But in its execution, yeah. yep. you that's know, awesome. and in the culture. And so, I'm again, I'm always telling leaders, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I'm like, if you think that investing, uh, you know, in culture creation, helping people understand each other, uh, in creating uh, a culture of people where self-awareness and self-knowledge are held up as values, if you think that's a waste of time and money, then you are not seeing the long game. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. You're just not. <clears throat> you're not seeing it you you you're thinking the short game and you're thinking you know how can we make as much as fast as we can regardless of people yep that is a may may feel good in the short term but in the long term it's going to yield you right. know poor results
2: only the leaders at the top can determine that and i i can't speak to changing a culture i right. got I, as a founder starter i got to create it the way i want it to be right. and made plenty of mistakes and still am but um you know it, i just don't view i see too many people viewing their people as a way to make the organization successful. I view our organization success as a way to make our people successful. Right? I mean, let's use the organization, the momentum we have, the platform we have to change the world by benefiting the people that work for us and those that we get to serve. Mm.
1: So, so, man. Good. You guys, so good. I could talk about this forever. Seriously, I love these kinds of conversations, and I'm so delighted that you took the time to fly into Nashville just to hang out and be on the podcast. And I, I hold both of you in great esteem and the work you. that you're doing. And I, I'm so thrilled that the, that your work with the Enneagram and, and your, your value of self-awareness inside of corporate cultures is, is producing the desired effect for you. And um, my gosh, keep inviting me back. We'll see you in July. Yeah. That's right. I, love I can't th- wait for the
2: whole organization to experience you and your passion for this. And oh, man.
1: We're going to have a good time. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time. Everybody, I want you to go check out what Booster's doing. What's the, How do people find out about
2: Booster? Boosterthon.com. Yeah. Check it out. We, we're probably serving many of the schools uh, of some current listeners, so we're thankful for our donors, clients, right. team members. We're in your city. We'd love to serve your school.
1: All right. Go check that out. Anthony. Yes. And Theos, buddy. I want you to go out this week and have a little enthusiasm (laughs) like like Chris here, okay? I will. You need to bring bring a little booster to our lives. Yeah. Everybody, we're so glad you were listening. And uh, remember the words of the great author Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken." See ya.